Welcome to Part of the Family from South Charleston First Church of the Nazarene in South Charleston, West Virginia. I'm Paul Neal, one of the staff pastors here at SC First. In today's episode, we'll share the message from our morning service on Sunday, May 8th. Then Greg Beheller, Pastor Chris Riggs, and I will talk about the sermon and what's happening in the life of our church. Just by listening in, you're part of the family too. This past Sunday, Pastor Kent Eastep's message was titled, Holy Spirit, the Equipper of Saints. If you've already listened to the sermon, you can skip forward about 28 minutes for the discussion. Now, without further ado, let's listen to Pastor Kent's message. Well, welcome. We're glad that uh, you are here uh, today. Uh, I wish it was Easter and Mother's Day every week. I mean, it's just awesome. It's good to see everybody today. Um, we're going to continue in our series today. If uh, you've not been here in, over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've started into a series on the names of the Holy Spirit. Talked about the names of God, Jehovah God, and some other things uh, early on. Then we went into some names of Jesus as we headed toward Easter. And now as we head toward the day of Pentecost, we're talking about the names of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being the giver of spiritual gifts, the equipper of the saints. And I'm wondering if you know him in this way. Has he equipped your life? Are you empowered by the gifting of the Spirit? Paul writes about that. Uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, beginning at verse 1, and it's kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture again this morning, but I want you to get the whole context of these verses, so I'm going to read verses 1 through 31. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift given to each of us, there is a spiritual gift, is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? 
Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now, the repetition in this passage of Scripture is thick. It is repeated, the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the One Spirit, that name of the Trinity, uh, of of the Holy Spirit is given time and time and again. Uh, In fact, I think there are some 17 references to the Holy Spirit in that passage of Scripture, and 13 of those references talk about the Holy Spirit being the equipper of the saints or the one who empowers believers with the spiritual gifts that God has directed toward each one of them. And so point number one of the sermon is simply this. The Holy Spirit supplies the spiritual gifts. And so I want you to see that this is God being God. This is not our determination. This is not something that we do. This is God moving as He will, as He distributes, and as He decides which spiritual gifts we will receive as believers in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul tells us there in verse 11. He says it this way, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, he alone decides which gift each person should have. And so we don't have a say in this matter, though many times we want to take our role, we want to maybe claim at times a spiritual gift that we say belongs to us, though it's not been given to us by God, we try to claim something for ourselves and for our own purposes. There's a little story that goes along with this. Um, Maybe you've heard it before, this little boy, he decided one day that he was a gifted baseball player, and so he put on his baseball cap, he grabbed a baseball bat, he grabbed his ball, and he went out into the backyard, and he went to prove how gifted he was. He stood ready with his bat and ball in hand, and he shouted out loud, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw that ball up, and he took a big swing, and he missed completely. He swung right through the ball. He shouted out, strike one, strike one. He was surprised that he had missed it, but he yelled out, strike one. He he again readied himself and said, he, he was still a believer, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up again. He swings and misses again. Strike two. Strike two, he shouts. Still undaunted, he yells out to the world again, I am the greatest hitter the world has ever seen. And you know what happens. He throws the ball up. He swings through it. Strike three. He had struck himself out. Then in this new realization, he joyfully shouted, Wow, what a pitcher I am. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. It was just a matter of discovering what his real gift was, right? I think he played for the Cincinnati Reds. Four and 23 or five and 22. I don't know if they won the second game of the the doubleheader last night or not. But this boy, right, he had decided for himself what his giftedness was. He had decided that he was a great batter. And so what do you need to put in your hands if you're going to be a great batter? You've got to put a bat in your hands. And so he put that bat in his hands, determined that that was his calling and his purpose and his track and his gifting in life. But where did that lead him? To frustration and disappointment. In Corinth, that's exactly what's going on here. They are prioritizing the spiritual gifts humanly and naturally. And as a result, some, were, some of these gifts were being sought after because they were prestigious. They were looked upon with others with honor. It got recognition. It got acclaim. And some of the gifts were downgraded because they just didn't. They didn't get that kind of attention and that kind of acclaim. And these factors as to what was, what was getting the applause, that's what was attracting them. That's what was tempting them and distracting them, really, from the purpose that God had called many of them to. They pursued selfish interest and not God's will. And in their arrogance, not even realizing how mistaken they were, they claimed gifts that weren't theirs and positions that they couldn't speak for. Everything was revolving around themselves, self-focused and not spirit-enabled. It reminds me of what we read about in Mark's gospel. We get introduced to a couple of Jesus' disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. That's how Mark's gospel describes them. And I'm not wanting to point my fingers at them so much. 
I wanted to make sure we're pointing our fingers at, at ourselves today, me included, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I can suffer from spiritual blind spots, right? I can spot pride in someone else from a mile away, but sometimes I don't see it in myself so easily. And I think there was a pretty important someone that came along one time, and he talked about the, you know, the, the, the splinter that you're seeing in someone else's eye while you've got the big beam growing out of your own. I think that was Jesus, right, that said something like that. And so get your Husqvarna Rancher 355 ready. That's a chainsaw, by the way. We're going to do some cutting this morning, all right? So that's what this story from Mark's gospel is all about. Mark 10, we get uh, several stories kind of stacked up on top of each other. And the first story that's told in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, is the story of divorce and the Israelites' hardness of heart, their insensibility to what God truly desired in a marital relationship, and that was the permanence of marriage. And yet, they wanted, and, and they were so concerned about self and convenience rather than being concerned uh, about familial love and, and, and commitment. The second story uh, talks about the children that were coming to Jesus, and yet the disciples weren't seeing how Jesus was living and how he was acting. And so they were trying to push the little children away from Jesus. They, they considered the little children as unimportant and a bother to him. And so the disciples failed to see God's call to love, God's call to love him supremely and to love others equally. The third story then comes about because a man comes up, uh, comes up to Jesus and he asked Jesus a question, what must I do to, uh, to receive eternal life? And Jesus told him very forthrightly, he said, go and sell everything you have and come and follow and give your money to the poor and come follow me. And so this was a call to sacrifice and a requirement to put others first. But he chose to turn away from Jesus and to continue following, following his own selfish desires. Then we get to the fourth story. And Jesus parlays, I think, the confluence of these other stories against what he knows has been the disciples' discussion as they've been walking along this road. And what were the disciples discussing? They were discussing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus said to them at that point, many are now first, many of those who are now first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And then he went on from that point to talk about his own destiny and what lay before him as he headed toward Jerusalem. And that was a story of betrayal and mocking and death. And still yet, even after he says this to his disciples, and he outlines all these things, in verse 35, James and John approach him with a request, which is revealed in verse 37, when they say, grant that we may sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. What I want you to see is how spiritually blind they were and how spiritually blind we can be. We've got four stories back to back to back to back. And, and it was all about uh, uh, sacrificing for others and loving others and being of service to others. And yet everything still in their own mind was about them and what they wanted and, and the positions that they desired. James and John wanted what they wanted, the blessing and gifting of their choosing. And the same thing was happening in Corinth. They wanted the spiritual gifts that were being applauded, that were gaining all the attention. They didn't want to serve in the background. They wanted the attention of everybody else. And could I just say that so many times that's exactly true of us. We find ourselves grasping for things Instead of, God allow, uh, instead of allowing God to supply the things that we need in His time and for His purpose. W.W. W. Dolly, a, a, a Bible commentator, referring to this truth, said it this way, God gave Moses, hear me again, God gave. God gave Moses a rod. He gave David a sling. Samson, the jawbone of a donkey, Shamgar, an ox goad, Esther, the beauty of person, Deborah, the talent for poetry, Dorcas, a needle, and Apollos, an eloquent tongue. And to each of them, he gave the ability to use that gift. In so doing, every one of them did the most effective works for the Lord. Why? 
because they waited for God to give them exactly what was needed. And the Holy Spirit of God will never call you to a task that he will not supply what you need to accomplish that task. We don't need to be grasping. What we need to do is wait for the Spirit of God to gift us. That's what we need. And so many times... What is true for us is that we need to be emptied of something. We need to get something out of our hands so that we might receive what God wants to give to us. Sometimes we're clinging to something else. It could be in the form of an occupation. It could be in the form of a relationship. It could be in the form of what's gaining the most attention. And we need to get those things out of our hands that we might hear God speak to us and give us exactly what we need. Our hands have to be emptied in order that they might be filled with the right thing. And this happens in the Bible. Samson's hands had to be freed from the binding ropes before he could take up the donkey's jawbone. David had to put down King Saul's sword and his shield to take up the stones and sling. The called disciples had to let go of their fishing nets so that Jesus might make them fishers of men. The apostle Paul had to lay down his letters of persecution against the church in response to the blinding light on the Damascus road that he might take up the pen of God's inspiration by which he wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. And so I ask you this morning, what are you carrying in your hands? And was it given by God or have you grasped it for yourself? Is it leading toward God's gifting, his purpose for you? Or is, or, or is it self-declared and self-gratifying and self-supplied? Would you listen to these words of Paul speaking about the, the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the way he lived? For this is how we should live as well from Philippians 2. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be what? To be grasped, but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Point number two, the Holy Spirit not only supplies us with these gifts, but he joins us to our spiritual gift for his use. As I was writing this sermon, I felt like there were kind of two competing ideas uh, for first mention. And with our emphasis being on the names of the Holy Spirit, I began talking about the Holy Spirit gifting us, supplying us, uh, being the source of our, our spiritual gifting. But I think of equal importance is the prerequisite for the work of the Holy Spirit to be active in us, and that is by means, uh, by means of which we have to have a spirit, the means by which we gain a spiritual gift is by way of relationship with Him. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the prerequisite. We're never going to receive a spiritual gift from God until we are in relationship with God through His Holy Spirit. It is a prerequisite. Essentially, this text tells us that unless and until we meet the criteria for being spiritually gifted, which, by, which is by way of confession, and what is that confession? That Jesus is Lord. Until that happens, we're going to be on the sideline. We're going to be on the sideline. Listen, when you come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it's then that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you. It's then that He regenerates your life and He makes everything new. It's then that He transforms your thinking from sin and death to life and peace. It's then that He empowers you and reorients your priorities and He gifts you. It's when He is Lord and not until He is Lord. I get the sense that some think they can be positioned for relationship with God some other way. And so they might, they might like what's going on in the church. They, and so they're attracted to that. But what do they do? Instead of coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, declaring Him Lord of their life, allowing Him to be Lord of their life, they begin doing things. They come to church. They hang around the church people. They begin serving here or there. They might even give a little bit. They try to clean up their language. They'll even sing some of the worship songs. They might shed a tear or two. They're moved emotionally. They desire to be a better parent, a bad habit. They might try to eliminate from their life. They, they might even attend CR. They'll do this or that or the other thing. But listen to me, none of that, absolutely none of that will save them. None of that will save you. 
None of that will usher the presence of God's Holy Spirit into your life. None of that will align you with the deepest blessings of God. None of that will allow the Holy Spirit to radically change your life and to powerfully gift you for His use. Why? Because under that scenario, you're still in charge. You're still selfishly choosing where God will be in control of your life and where you're still, still going to be in control. And so God wants you to submit yourself wholly to Him. It's about being positioned to receive the enabling, empowering, gifting of the Holy Spirit. And that only happens as you are in relationship with Him. You must be in relationship with God, yielded to Him. Now, let me try to illustrate it this way. I know some of you struggle to go to sleep unless it's on a Sunday morning around 11 o'clock. But other than that, you struggle to go to sleep sometimes. It's a fight for you whether you can go to sleep at all at night. And I read this illustration from James Smith. He wrote a book, Imagining the Kingdom, and listen to how he writes about sleep. He says, I cannot choose to fall asleep. The best I can do is choose to put myself in a position and posture and rhythm that welcomes sleep. I lie down in bed on my left side with my knees drawn up. I close my eyes and I breathe slowly, putting my plans out of my mind. But the power of my will or consciousness stops there. I want to go to sleep. I've chosen to climb into bed. But in another sense, sleep is not something under my control or at my beckoned call. I call up the visitation of sleep by imitating the breathing and posture of a sleeper. Sleep is a gift to be received, not a decision to be made. And yet it is a gift that requires a posture of reception, a kind of active welcome. And listen, when it comes to sleep... Sleep can still be elusive, right? No matter how, how welcoming your posture. I know some of you struggle to sleep. But could I give you some good news today? When it comes to spiritual giftedness, there are no secrets. Our posture must be submissiveness to our Lord. And when that is the case, the Spirit and His giftedness is present. It comes. It's automatic. It's promised. It happens. Nobody's excluded and nobody is left out if you are open and yielded to the Holy Spirit, you have confessed Him as Lord, you will be spiritually gifted. It is a guarantee. Paul writes in verse 7, A spiritual gift is given to whom? Each of us, so we can help each other. And so Paul clearly says that if you confess Jesus as Lord, you're going to be given a gift that you might be helpful and useful to others. I like what Eugene Peterson, his words from 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 in the message, he writes, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. And again, I would simply make the point here that God's not into waste, right? God's not into waste. God has given you something to do that you might help others. You are to be used. What are you today? Are you a $50,000 violin or are you an old kitchen spoon? Let me tell this story. A $50,000 violin hanging silently and dusty on the wall is not worth as much as an old kitchen spoon that is used. You need to be used. How are you being used for the purposes of God? How is your life bringing glory to Him? How are you pointing others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? How are you serving others? That's what your life is to be about. He has equipped us for good works. The Holy Spirit is the equipper of the church. He supplies the gifts. The Holy Spirit is the equipper. He joins us to our spiritual gifts for His use. And lastly, the Holy Spirit invites us to impact the world with the joy and love of God. Now, God could have chosen to change this world and alter this world and minister in this world in a variety of ways. God could have chosen to do it all Himself. He could have gone solo. And if He would have gone solo, then He would have avoided maybe some of our missteps and mistakes and messiness along the way. But God thought, God thought the beauty of His plan would become even more joyful and celebrated if his creation was a part of it with him. And so he invited each of us to be a part of Christ's body, his church, to reach the world. And I think the following modern-day parable, and you're excited to know I'm almost done, tells that story. It's a modern-day parable. Make sure you get that. 
Once upon a time, there was this famous house designer. He was a builder and a painter. Really, it was his painting that he was especially known for. He was an amazing artist in his painting. He didn't require drop cloths. He had a steady hand. He was finicky about using good brushes, quality paint. There were never any drips. It was always perfect trim lines. That's I love to paint. I, I do. I love to paint. But anyway, that's a side story. The craftsman did all this work, though, by himself. He wouldn't let anybody else touch a paintbrush. He wouldn't let everybody else touch a paintbrush. It was his own hands. But then one day, he had this remarkable idea. Standing by one of his houses, he saw this bunch of kids coming by. They were just getting out of school. They were minding their own business. They were laughing, carrying their backpacks on and on. And then he shouted at them. He said, hey, kids, hey, kids. When they looked up, they were startled and awestruck. Everybody knew this guy. I mean, his reputation was known everywhere. He was so talented, all of his amazing skills. And he asked them to them what was a very surprising question. He asked, how would you like to do some painting? They couldn't believe their ears. What do you mean? I'll tell you what, he said. I'll give each of you a bucket of paint and a brush, and you can come and paint my new house. Do you want to give that a try? They couldn't believe it. For real, they squealed. They were so excited. The painter nodded, yes, for real. And so he opened up the back of his truck. He pulled out his load of brushes and paint cans. They started splashing paint everywhere on his garage door. They got it on the sidewalk too, and they got some on each other. But they got a lot of paint on the house as well, all different colors, especially on the parts of the house that were under four feet high. A lot of paint there. As the other kids came by on the sidewalk, they asked, can we do that too? And they all joined in in about an hour. The first floor of his house was covered with paint. The house painter's neighbors came over after their dinners, and they began taking it all in. What's going on, they asked. Another blurted out, look, i got to be honest, your house looks like a tornado ripped through Sherwin-Williams. What were you thinking? (laughs) Well, the house painter said, of course, I could have painted this house all by myself. But if the beauty of a house is based on the joy it brings to others then this is the most beautiful house that has ever been made. Because all will say, yes, this is the home of the master painter and builder. Yes, it is. But it's also our house. In the same way, when God the Father, the master creator and painter of the world, pours out his Holy Spirit on his followers, and that's us, he hands every single one of us a can of paint and a brush, and he invites us Go to work. Use your gifts and let's paint a beautiful house of love and joy for the world. Let me see your hands. You got any paint on your fingers? You got any paint on your fingers today? I just got done painting last week. I still got green Rust-Oleum paint up under my fingers. There's going to be paint on your fingers if you join in the, the God of this universe in his work. Get some paint on your hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. This is your word to us. You have called us into your fellowship, yes, into communion with you, into relationship with you, all true. But what that means, God, is you give us something to do. You've spoken into our lives, and it's a message of joy and peace and love that you have given to us to spread throughout the world. We pray that we'll come alongside you that we'll say yes to you, wholly committed to you over and over again, each and every day for your glory and for your honor, we pray. Amen. Welcome back to the studio. I'm here with Pastor Chris Riggs. Hello. And Greg Beheller. Hello, guys. We're glad to have you back with us, Greg. And our uh, silent sound tech, Nathaniel Crowder, um, who also is our drummer, for one of our drummers for Fuel Band and just tech guru all around. Thanks for being here, Nathaniel. He, he's nodding his head vigorously. Um, I really, really enjoyed this this particular sermon, but it was part of an overall really uh, good day at South Charleston First. We uh, we celebrated Mother's Day with a fun video at the beginning, and um, hopefully we all got to celebrate Mother's Day with the mothers that are still here with us, uh, or to honor them in some way if they're not. And then also as part of our Sunday morning service, we honored uh, a couple of teachers, uh, Sunday school teachers who've recently retired from those particular roles. They're still very involved in our church, and that's mm-hmm. Susie Good and Linda Epperly. Linda happens to be my aunt and Greg's mother-in-law. So, uh, and uh, she's nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not. 
um, Linda, no Linda, and Susie certainly both were my teachers as I was growing up, and so it was it was fun to to get to honor them with uh, what we call the Second Mile Award uh, through our Sunday school department, and that um, just they they go further, they go beyond the call of duty, and they always have. So we really really appreciate Susie and Linda. We hope to get them in here in the studio before too long and have them That's talk about idea. some of the uh, yeah. some of their memories of of their service over the years and the life of the church, and then of course we got into the Holy Spirit, the Equipper of the saints um equipper that's that's a good word uh are you looking at me? <laughs> so, so anyway before we we started our discussion today we were talking about the equipper that word just reminded me of like a ron popeel type of infomercial right the equipper free easy payments of and, 1999 for the equipper and if you've not know that name just Probably type in YouTube, I'm assuming. Act now, this. and they'll throw in the Pocket Fisherman. That's right. That's right. That was, yeah. was, that was the Pocket Fisherman? I think Pocket Fisherman was his first big I think thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> but how many other products were there along the way? I think he was also the set it and forget it guy with the- uh, That's forget true. It. He also had the hair- the spray. Oh, Floby. Oh, no. no, no oh, the no, no, spray no. for uh, to cover your bald spot, oh, okay. to spray paint your scalp, basically. Yeah. How'd we get here? That one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I doubt one of them is the equipper. I, I used to think that uh, that that scalp spray was ridiculous. Um, it's not feeling so ridiculous to me anymore. <laughs> um, so Kent uh, talked about how, and it tied in again with the service of of our Sunday school teachers and giving that award about how the Spirit uh, does equip us for for so many different things, and service being one of them. Um, and of course, tied in with this, he talked a lot about spiritual gifts, which is a, a fun topic. Uh, have you guys ever taken one of the spiritual gift surveys? Yeah, I have. Yeah. We used to do them at the church fairly yeah. regularly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've done it a couple times. Yeah, guitar was not one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, mine was hospitality. Was oh. one of my um, spirit. I think it was spiritual gifts. Was hospitality. I think yeah, that, that, that is certainly one of them that's on that yeah, survey. It's not yeah. one that's listed in the scriptures mentioned, yeah. there, but it's one that's listed throughout scripture. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't ever remember. That's. I've taken them a bunch of times because I never remember what mine are. Um, that's. That's a shame because I'm probably serving in areas where I may not be equipped. Well, we probably need to do another class here soon. No. At one point in time, we were. We did that. You know, tried had the process of having people do their spiritual gifts. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed. Hospitality. So you hate people, right? <laughs> Wait, he does work for Triple A, doesn't yeah. he? Like, that... It's all about people, right? It's all about people. You, right. Greg, you do have a you you definitely have a spirit of sort of service. I mean, you really do. I'm, that does not surprise me about you. That hospitality. Is yeah, like I guess when you list you look at that list of things, it just wasn't one that I thought. Oh, this is this is one that will be my top one. But that's the reason you need to take that, right? And find out kind of what you where you land and all right. How you can use it. And I, I think there are, for our listeners, even if we don't have a class, I think there are some pretty good online sources for oh, those sure. spiritual good. gift uh, surveys. So um, if, uh, if, if you want to find out what yours might be, and obviously these surveys are like any sort of personality survey, they're, they're flexible. Um, but if you want to find out which way you might be sort of drawn um, or find a way you might be particularly gifted, it's, those are fun to take. Um, but I like that, that concept that we need to... Um, we need to see how has God gifted us, how has the Holy Spirit worked in us, and what kind of things has he prepared us for. I, I think that is that is an important principle. I think sometimes we work backwards on this is that we, uh, you know, we grow up, we, we assume that God has given us some traits. And a lot of times, though, it's through our vocation, our secular vocation, that we choose what we enjoy doing and how we're doing it. But if we really are thinking about um, God as designing and creating us for his purpose. Right. Um, you know, he didn't create us to be part of a, he didn't create Greg to be working at AAA. Right. Uh, he created Greg to be uh, creating disciples of those in the nations. You know what I mean? And so he is, he has given Greg spiritual gifts, uh, which are the dominant, really the dominant gifts he has. Those right. are the things that he was designed and created to be. And so, so often I think sometimes we, uh, consider like, well, what am I good at otherwise? You know, what am I good at outside of the kind of the, the church or outside? What am I good at? How could I use that in the church? When really, I think finding those spiritual gifts is a, a primary should be a primary mm -hmm. focus. That's what we were created for. And using we them wherever you are. That's at right. AAA or working yeah, those for a state inform, office. Or yeah, those wherever inform you are. our yeah. vocation. Those right. actually inform mm -hmm. what we do uh, as we serve God in the community, as we serve God in our roles of work. And the, our spiritual right. gifts should be the things that define those versus the other way around sometimes, which is, uh, right. which is interesting, but 
Yeah, how can how can we use those gifts where we're planted? What's the well, old well, saying? Just Bloom like, where you're planted. Just like we we're talking right now. I mean, we think about just the three of us. You know, we we're joking about it, really. But it's it kind of kind of interesting that none of us really know our spiritual gifts, and yet, really, those are the things that God has. If if we believe in the sermon, or the Holy Spirit has given to us to be used by God in what we do. I mean, so that's you know, so suddenly they should probably become. Really important, really. Right, I mean, right. Well, I think that what I found interesting about the first point, especially, he talks about you know supplies, but that he's distributing those, and it's not just some random process. Like he's not just a grab bag of okay, you get this, and just kind of doling things out. But it's he's deciding, right, which ones we actively, get. not actively. just when, not just when we're born, right. It's not so like there's, he rolls the there's dice a and sense that you know it's it's not just some. It's probably not a good Nazarene example, but a deck of cards is dealing right. things out, right? He's he is the Holy Spirit is deciding for us for us which gifts He is giving us, supplying us with, because He knows what we will need to to be able to go and make disciples, and what's the best tool for us. And that that to me was just fascinating. I, I think I had known that, but hearing that right. again in the sermon just really. Well, a lot of those spiritual gifts match our personality types too. And so it's not even, that's not the way around it. Really, it's the spiritual gifts probably would help us understand our personalities even more, you know, and right. not the other way around. I think, I think just sometimes we came from the outside in versus right. starting with spiritual gifts. How is the Holy right. Spirit gifted? He, what gifts has he given me? And then how does that inform the rest of who I am and how I work and how I am? You know, so I think it. There could be a lot of it, but, but a lot of times we don't know. We haven't put an emphasis on it, which I think is great right. that this sermon did, that we've been given those gifts. Yeah, and I, I loved that um, one of the things he talked about there is sometimes we do end up taking up things that, that aren't our gifts, and sometimes out of necessity, but sometimes out of pride. It's like, no, I want to, I want to serve there. Um, you know, the, some of the more visible examples are sometimes we've, you know, the American Idol example he gave in a different sermon a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes people want to be a singer and maybe that's not where they're gifted or, but we can, we can do that in other ways too. Sometimes we can, we can want to teach or we can, and we, we discount the gifts we do have. And so he gave that example of, uh, of needing to empty our hands so that our hands can be filled so that we can take up what God has given us. And he gave that quote from W.W. Dolly. God gave Moses a rod, David a sling, Samson the jawbone of a donkey, Shamgar an ox good, Esther the beauty of person, Deborah the talent for poetry, Dorcas a needle, and Apollos an eloquent tongue, and to each the ability to use that gift. So the gifts that we're given, it is important that we sort of identify those and then once we identify them, we can sharpen them and we can develop them. Sure. Um, I think that's one, one thing we do um, have somewhat of an emphasis on in our church. And maybe you're talking about in, in the past, the spiritual gift survey has been a part of that emphasis. But to really sort of help people develop those gifts. Yeah, we should be. And that's, yeah. I mean, and I think that would, that'll really help us maximize God's given potential. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit's given potential in us and those gifts. Uh, and really make the church just well. It's just like the example, you know. I mean, the the analogy of the parts of the body. I mean, it, it doesn't do us any good to have four eyes or six right. eyes. Yeah, you know I mean, especially right. if four of them aren't meant to be eyes. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know right. I, mean? I mean, you're not going to see if, very clearly. Your vision isn't yeah, very good, if, yeah, if that part doesn't work well, if that's not what it's meant to do, and so you know, it is important for all of us to realize uh, that we are all gifted differently, and the purpose for that is for God's perfect plan i mean it's for his purpose it's for so that it works smoothly and the mm -hmm. church runs efficiently not a church building church and the larger church runs in in reaching people and, and doing that kind of so yeah so I, I think it's it was a great thing to bring up and probably should jog us to talk more about how we can help people find their yeah. spiritual gifts yeah and the, the timing is interesting too uh one of the things coming up in the life of our church is our church elections where people have been nominated to serve in leadership roles on our church board who is sort of our governing body um, and so as we approach that, that voting process, for those of us who are members, we should keep that in mind. We should pray and say, okay, who is it that I think is, is gifted for this moment at, in our church's, in our church's life and our church's history to, to step into that particular role. Um, and for those who are nominated as they're, they're contemplating those nominations, is this something God would have me do? I think that's, that's a big part of that. So I think. Um, you know, fits in in a good time in our in our church's uh, life for sure. Um, then the second point he moved on to: the Holy Spirit joins us to our spiritual gift for His use. Um, like Kent said, you know, he could have started with this one rather than the other one. Um, that we have, uh, we have to 
prepare ourselves. I really, really like the sleep analogy. You know, we can, mm. we can prepare ourselves for sleep, but we can't make ourselves go to sleep and we can't force ourselves into a spiritual gift. All we can do is, is, is set ourselves up and, and prepare our hearts for God to, to gift us in that way. I think that is, that, that's a neat concept. Did, did that say anything to either of you, that particular point? Greg and I are looking at each other. Well, you talked about (laughs) this word positioned, right? Yeah. And, you know, we can position ourselves for sleep, but again, it doesn't bring it. But um, there is a prerequisite to to spiritual gifts. That is positioning ourselves to have a relationship with Christ and being in that relationship. So we can't expect to have the spiritual gifts if we're not in a relationship uh, with Christ. And so I think that's an important... Well, and I think this makes a big differentiation too still for us is that spiritual gifts just aren't traits. They're right. not just traits. Right. So they're not just like I have a pleasant personality right. or they're not just certainly not yours. Yeah, not mine. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, they're just not traits. So this is this concept is, is that these are things that are niche, these are things that require the Holy Spirit. These are things that aren't just something I was born a personality trait. Right. This was something that, that the Holy Spirit has not only given me, but he's the activator of, you know what I mean? That right, he's the, right. he's the one that actually is, is I have, you know, run, it runs on that, you know, that my, right. my spiritual gifts are going to be run. It can't, like you said, it can't do it by itself. It's got to be with the Holy Spirit. So right. um, I think sometimes we get into the idea that people think their spiritual gifts are just, are things that are actually just traits that they have. Um, and I think that's important. I remember taking that spiritual gifts assessment a while back. Uh, man, it was from, I can't remember what the name of it was, but uh, the one we did here. I think yeah. I still probably have a book somewhere, I right. guarantee you. But it was just talking about differentiating them. And when you start differentiating, you begin to realize what are traits and what are actual spiritual gifts, which is helpful, right. you know, versus just uh, so. so. Uh, but yeah, that's, that was my thoughts. Yeah, I, that, I, I like that. Um, I like the Eugene Peterson um, translation in the message. And it's First Corinthians uh, chapter twelve, verse seven. He says, "Each person is given something to do that shows who God is." And my note to myself was, "It's not just so that we can be good at something, right? <laughs> it's not just so we can be good at hospital, but it's so that we can go and help people. Yeah. We can yeah. bring people to an understanding of who Christ is. It's not just so that we can be a person we can plug in at at the upper concession stand to get the job done. Right? It's it's more than that. It's so that we're we are." Being disciples. So you're making that, a difference. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Those good. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Spiritual gifts should bring us back to our original purpose. I mean, this, that's our purpose. I mean, I think our purpose is not just to exist, to work, to live here. Right. Our purpose is to serve God and our purpose is right. to make disciples of all nations. And that's what, what we're made for, which we're created to, to, be. to know him and make him known. That's I right. I love, yeah. love that, that expression of it. Yeah. And it reminds me of something Paul says elsewhere where he talks about, you know, the, the gift of unknown languages, the, the spiritual languages in some ways. He says, you know, it's no good if, if, that, if that gift doesn't elevate the church. If you're speaking and nobody can understand you, you know, that's one of the, the conversations we have about speaking in tongues, that there is an, an, an interpretation uh, also required that just the, just the speaking in unknown tongues doesn't do any good unless there it's it's interpreted as a message from god and so that's where you get into some some interesting not only theological and scriptural territory but some denominational differences and um not that there's necessarily anything sinful about it but is there anything edifying about it does it does it build up and i would say the same thing can be true for any spiritual gift if I have a, a, even gifts that aren't spiritual if i have a gift of music if i'm not using that to to edify people to build up god's kingdom to build up god's people in some way then i'm wasting my gift and i like how kent said you know god's not into waste the same you know i i i I do some writing and i try to think is this something that can in any way even if it's not explicitly a spiritual writing that i'm doing is it something that can glorify god is it something that can point to him or to to things he's created that are beautiful and good um, and I think that can be true for every spiritual gift, whatever it is. Uh, well, that, and that is interesting because I'm not sure what the, you know, that's where I'm talking about the, the second point about the spiritual gift being. So the question, can you, can you use a spiritual gift or is it even a spiritual gift? If you can use it outside of the Holy Spirit, you, you understand what I'm saying? So that's right. where I think the differentiation for us and what is a spiritual gift and what is not as important. Um, just so that we know, cause you're right. I mean, that's, I mean, you can have a gift 
a gift for something. Um, a skill. You a can have skill. a skill. Yeah. Is yeah. it a spiritual yeah. gift? Right. Uh, I mean, and, and can it be, can a spiritual gift be used outside of, um, of, of really edifying? Can it be used outside? If it requires the Holy Spirit, can we actually use it outside of that? Would you be a good, I don't know. That, that well, may be, it may be deeper than what we're going to go here. You know, one of, <laughs> well, I, I don't think it necessarily is. One of the things, um, you know, one of the places I write for is skateguys.com, and I've had the privilege to write a couple of actual scripts they've performed. They've got a movie coming out um, later this week, May 13th, and it is, it's a, it's a, it's a faith-based film. There, I mean, clearly some of their spiritual gifts are encouraging and, and, um, and then they've got additional skills beyond that of, of edifying the church. And so they're doing something that's coming out in theaters. Is that something that glorifies God? I know from you know, keeping up with them that that's their heart. And I, so I have every confidence that their film will do that, that it will glorify God and it will bring people to uh, a situation where they can know God better. Um, so as Christians, and that's one of the reasons I don't like the term Christian music or Christian entertainment. I think there, because first of all, it's a, I don't think things can be Christian. People are Christians. So is a, is a film that's made by Christians. It's not a Christian film. It's a, it's a film that points people to Christ, um, music the same way or writing or even conversations. Do we have you know, the, what we have at work with, with our coworkers or in our homes with our families? Do they point people to Christ? I think our spiritual gifts are expressed in all of those ways, um, or can be, and probably should be. So I, again, maybe that is deeper than, well, and that's, you're probably right though. In that sense is that there are several of the spiritual gifts that we would look at and say, those things don't necessarily just fit with inside the church versus like maybe prophecy or something like that. But, but you're probably right. We're not just talking about being, being Christian. We're talking about that, whatever we do or how we do it, the gift that God, the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us could probably be applied outside of what we would term Christian or right. the church. You know what I mean? And so like you, for example, one of the gifts is the gift of wisdom, the spiritual gift of wisdom. And so when I'm out there and if it helps me discern things, whether I'm discerning something within the church or outside the church, that it's always edifying God, that the Holy spirit is using that gift in me to bring about, um, wisdom or bring about discernment, uh, no matter what the discernment is in that sense, it's from, right. from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's helping me use that gift, whether it's inside the church walls or outside the church walls. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, and what we're really talking about, if we boil it down, is Kent's third point. The Holy Spirit invites us to impact the world with the joy sure. and love of God. You know, all of those things. Man, are, Ken, he knew what he was doing. Look right. at him. Um, a little paint under your fingernails, right? Go out there and, and yeah. do it, right? Yeah. And I, I think in, in doing so, we, we can help each other by, by encouraging each other in our spiritual gifts and helping people to recognize those in themselves. Because earlier in the sermon, Kent talked about, he said, I can, in a negative way, he said, you know, I can spot pride in somebody a mile away, but I have a harder time seeing it in myself. The same thing can be true about our gifts. Other people can sometimes identify them in us better than, than we can. You know, my, my daughter's home for the summer from college. And um, the other night I had, I had the opportunity to be, for her um, to speak something into my life. And I was like, man, that is really wise. And to, to, to be able to tell her, you know, I really appreciate your wisdom in that. Because I, I can remember hearing that from my parents, you know, occasionally as I grew older and having those conversations and, and to, to have my dad say, you know, I, I really appreciate your perspective on that. And to know that it impacted him. And mm -hmm. I, I, so I want to be able to tell people that when they impact me, you know, both of uh, all three of you in this room have spoken into my life in different ways and I've been impacted by you. So to be able to, um, to be able to sh help that sh people see their own gifts, I think is, is a cool thing we can do. Well, and I think the important part of that aspect of it is that we've got to know what the gifts are. I mean, sometimes I think it's like our biblical knowledge is that, you know, we are to know his word and yet at times and use his word, you know, it's sharper than the two edged sword. But the problem is sometimes that I don't know the sword well enough. Right. I don't know my, the, the weapon I'm using. And so, you know, the reality is it's impossible for us to 
Um, it's not possible. It's harder for us to recognize spiritual gifts in another person or even in ourselves when we don't know what spiritual gifts are to begin with. We haven't done the due diligence to, um, to understand them or try to understand them ourselves. You right. know? And then that's, you know, and so you hear something like that. And I, I've always, when I hear, whenever a sermon is preached about this, I kind of get excited. Like, what are my spiritual gifts again? Well, I mean, what, what, right. I can't remember. I took that test one time. What were the things yeah, that I was? I mean, could you any know? of us name them all right now? That's what right. Are but, it, spiritual but it almost becomes more of a novelty for me that I bring up every once in a while versus something that I could, like you were saying, if I can choose, if I'm going to say, man, I could help affirm that in somebody else, I could help somebody else's spiritual growth, but I'm going to have to know what they are first. I'm going to have to be able right. to be familiar with them. And I'm going to have to understand it the same way that, you know, I could probably impact, um, the more I study God's word, the more not only does it change me, but knowing his word mm. impacts others. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. in order to do that, I've got to know it. I can't just... You know, wow, there's probably a great Bible. There's probably something in the Bible that would really speak to that. I can't say that. I mean, I've got to know it. And right. so I think that same thing with spiritual gifts. I mean, we got to, I think, I think this kind of inspired me. I, this sermon kind of said to me, I, I need to go back and know what my spiritual gifts are and be able to know what, you know what there is. 22 yeah. of them. Well, there, it, there it, actually it, is a, right. there's actually some debate about this, but 22 is about the max I've seen. There's, did you find a list as you were? Yeah, but I remember because I thought there was, I think the book we did called Networking, I think was the name of the book we did. Uh, and it was, uh, they had a list of 15, gotcha. but there's there's a range of them where people right. are kind of saying, they're tied biblically, uh, not all more than that passage right. that he brought in, but they're tied yeah. biblically. But yeah, I would encourage that. And maybe we can make resources available. You know, maybe that's something we need to probably bring up in the uh, yeah. staff meeting. Uh, how, how could we encourage people to discover uh, this? Yeah, I, I would certainly welcome that, uh, a chance to, to revisit that in my own life. One and, of those adult small groups, maybe, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I, 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 might be a, I might be a gifted baker. Is that one of them, baking? I, I don't think baking is No, no, no. Oh, that's a shame. No, no food-related <laughs> ones. <laughs> Hospitality, is. I guess. Hospitality is, being uh, one of those. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, knowing that, I mean, having known that for some time, many, I mean, it's been many years ago we did this, I think. But I think about some of the areas that I've been involved in in service, and uh, I hadn't thought about this before until this discussion, but I think about being involved in Upward Concession Stand. Yeah. I think about being involved yeah. in the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I think about these things, and like all of a sudden, it's like, okay, even as much as I think, well, how does hospitality really fit me? Yeah. I find myself in these areas of service where that's exactly well, what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and even stuff that you do within that, like, so, so there are several aspects of, of service or, or events perhaps that, that can, you can use your spiritual gifts. I mean, everybody can be doing the event, mm. but the way you find your groove in that event, the way you're actually, you know, matches more of your spiritual gift. And, and so maybe, you know, like for me, I'd probably, I don't know. It, it depends what your spiritual gift is, but for hospitality for you, I, I could definitely see you yeah. interact with people. Well, you really do. You know, you interact with people. Well, you're hospitable. And, uh, and so I can definitely see that being there, but there may be other people that choose to say, well, I, I work behind the scenes really well, you know, and, but it's not that they work behind the scenes. Well, it's that their spiritual gift may be, may not be like if you're cooking hot dogs or something, right? Like you may be interacting with people and the cooking, the hot dogs may not be a spiritual gift, but it still needs to be done. You know what I mean? And, it, and so, but there's other areas they may be able to use their actual spiritual gift in where they, they, you recognize it. Cause you probably do that when I'm doing something, I'm like, this is me. You know, this is what I'm right. kind of designed to do. Right. This is what, and you feel that, you know what I mean? I think yeah. that there's a, I, I definitely think you, there's those opportunities. Right. I think you, you bring up a, a, a point there that we, we don't get off the hook just because we're not spiritually gifted but to, right. of doing to do things something. that need to that's be done. Right. I mean, you, yeah, that's not an excuse to say, I'm sorry, that's not my spiritual gift. I mean, sometimes you just step in and do what has to be done. And God blesses that too. I mean, um, he certainly expects us to, to fill the roles that, that need to be filled. Um, and it's because if those roles are empty, then maybe sometimes we're, we're not doing the right way to, to, to develop those gifts in people. So at times we do just have to step in and do what's, what's required. Um, setting up tables and things sure. like that, that you can't tell oh, I'm sorry. Setting up tables is not my spiritual gift. Well, <laughs> the tables need set up. So just jump in and do it. Um, but when we can align people, right? when we can, when we have the opportunity, I think that's what that book, actually the networking thing we did a long time ago right. was intention to do that, was that when you can find somebody and find their spirit, find something that requires us this spiritual gift and find that person with that spiritual gift and find that position for them, then then it, it's almost like that feeling right. of this is where I'm meant to do. Yeah, this is what I've created. Piece. How yeah, many people puzzle. don't know it and are, are maybe on the sidelines because they can't find a place to jump in. They don't know where to jump in, but if they knew their spiritual gift right. and you could align them, 
Yes. With with a, a place to do that. Yeah. Um, sure. Or people who have much... a miserable experience because they're plugged in in the wrong way. Right. Yeah, which certainly. Yeah, I actually remember when I went to college church. When I, man, that, that's been thirty. Oh, it's been a long time ago. When I was in college, I went to college church Olivet. They actually had a program. Uh, for college students where you take your spiritual gift, you do the assessment and then they had this big old book that they would usually sit, sit down with you. And they had all of the jobs in the church that listed by spiritual gift and what you might be interested in. And they want to help college students find a place in their church. That's and it, I thought it was fascinating. I thought this is now, yeah, I get it. Some of them are just jobs that may, may be in more in line. I mean, like I said, you know, setting up tables, right. you know, may not be a necessarily a spiritual, several spiritual gifts could fit that, but they'd have all these gifts kind of all these jobs kind of that way. And I thought that was always cool that, that, you know, cause that was their statement was that when you find something you enjoy doing, when you find something that matches your spiritual gift, then it just, it's just, it just grows in you. You want to yeah. serve. It's, it fits. It's like a, you know, nice. Wow. But maybe we're kind of speaking out. We need it. I mean, this has definitely spurred us to kind of say, okay, listen, we need to re-examine this issue. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Pastor Kent. Yes. yes. Thank, Thank you, Pastor, Pastor Kent, for the sermon. Well, that uh, will just about wrap up our discussion. If you're hearing this before Wednesday, May 15th, tw I'm sorry, Wednesday, May 18th, uh, 2022 at 630, we're having a church picnic and uh, it would be a great time for you to come meet some people. If you haven't joined us in person, um, uh, we could do the podcast live from the picnic. I'm going to be out of town, unfortunately, oh. but you guys certainly can. I think you we should could do, do the podcast live from the should, picnic. You, you should. <gasps> that would be so great. much fun. And just invite random people. They're at the to picnic. Come come talk. Over and, and oh, say, oh I think we're having an idea happening right That's now. That's right. I'm, I think I'm sorry. Idea. I will miss that, but I, I will certainly listen to it with enthusiasm. It's been a long time since we've had a picnic too. So, yeah, it's gonna be nice. Yeah, that will be fun. Yeah. So uh, that again, that's Wednesday, May eighteenth at six thirty p.m. in the grass lot behind the church. Um, the church is providing hot dogs and fixings. If you want to bring a dessert or side dish to share, um, we'd love that. But if uh, if you can't, just come on out anyway and join in because um, we want you to be part of the family. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great week. We're gonna stand. We're gonna sing together a song of testimony. It's an old hymn song. You won't know it when you sing the first verse, but maybe by about verse three, you'll catch on and you can sing along with us. Come all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for Him more created. Tune your hearts with one accord. Come and tune.
last verse is written specifically for this service by Pastor Kyle, and it speaks to our hearts. Would you testify again with what we're singing this morning? When we use our gifts together, we will play to masterpiece, blending colors for the kingdom, joy and love the world to see.